Arsenal are top of the Premier League. Chelsea came unstuck at Leeds. The Oil Cashico was a thriller. And there's plenty of interesting stuff going on elsewhere in Europe too. I'm Dan Burke. This is the One Football Podcast. And I'm joined today by Alex Mutz. Hello. And Chloe Beresford. Hey. Hello, hello. Yeah, and they say oil, oil money's bad for football. It didn't look like bad for football yesterday afternoon. Where I was sitting anyway. No. <laughs> How are we doing? Did we all uh, enjoy our weekends? We did. Yeah, I was... Uh, wow. I watched Oxford Morecambe, which was less enjoyable. But the Premier, the Premier League was good. <laughs> it certainly was, yeah. Well, what was your what was your favourite game of the weekend, actually, Alex? Let's start with that, shall we? Well, we're staying in England for mine, and it was uh, Burnley 3, Blackpool 3. Um, obviously Vincent Company has gone in at Burnley um, had a bit of a struggle for the first few games but they went 2-0 up and then they went 3-1 up before half time um, they've got Nathan Teller who's on loan from mm. Southampton and yeah he, he looks exceptional he scored two goals and was just a bit of a class above really in the first half but uh, Michael Appleton former Oxford manager is at Blackpool now um, and they rallied in the second half and pulled it back to 3-3 with two goals in two minutes towards the end um, before Ian Matson was sent off for probably the worst challenge of the weekend. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, go and watch it. Um, and then Sonny Carey was sent off himself for Blackpool for the retaliation. So, yeah, it was a game that had everything. And, um, yeah, Vincent Company struggling a bit without winning any of his three home games. So, yeah, one they to look the out first for. Game, won the first game, didn't they? And then yeah, like, yeah. And they've, and they've been struggling defeat, a bit. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to play a bit more progressively than they have been under Sean mm-hmm. Dodge before so yeah that's sort hard, of, is it? Oh, no very true <laughs> they are the entertainers of the championship at the moment <laughs> yeah quite a big turnover of players hasn't there and, yeah yeah uh, he's been uh, raiding City's academy for players so, yes yeah. he has yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got a feeling he's not quite ready to step into the breach at City yet next season no if, if probably not leaves, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's uh, going to be interesting to see how they do anyway uh, what was your favourite game of the weekend Chloe? Um, well, I think after the aforementioned uh, match that we're going to talk about after it, everything else kind of looked a bit poor, didn't it? Really, mm. uh, <laughs> but um, I'm going to say Napoli's four nil win. Um, it was only Monza, um, <laughs> but they've got this new young Georgian uh, guy who he says everyone can just call him Kavara because his name is just. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you how do you pronounce his name? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, yeah, he scored twice um, and he scored last week as well. So he's off to a flying start. Ossiman scored and Koulibaly's replacement, Kim Min-jae, uh, scored right at the end as well. And I think for Napoli, um, you know, they've lost a lot of the big stars in Sinia Mertens, Koulibaly. And, and I, for one, was really concerned that, um, you know, they've kind of lost their identity because all the sort of people you'd associate with Napoli for years have all gone and they've got this like kind of random mix of players um and they've only played quite smallish teams so far but um you know so far so good mm. uh maybe they proved me wrong yeah aren't they calling this guy uh Cavara Donna isn't that, isn't that a <laughs> that's been yes about? yeah yeah maybe a bit too soon but yeah <laughs> Fair enough. And uh you say Monza are only a small team but they've they're, they're a small team with uh, with big ideas aren't they Yeah i mean they, it's 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 a funny one, really. They're trying to replicate, or I don't know if they're seriously trying to replicate what Berlusconi and Galliani did with Milan in the mm. starting in the mid eighties. Um, but they have they've come up from the third tier right up to to Serie A, and they've got a lot of names you recognise. They're, they're already ahead of a lot of newly promoted sides in Serie A because they've got 
established Serie A players in the squad. I think Galliani's called in a few favours. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure you can you can repeat what Milan did with uh, <laughs> yeah. with winning those Champions Leagues and and you know doing everything that they did. But maybe. I think a more realistic aim for them would be staying up the season and then yeah. maybe see where they can build on from there. Yeah, take it one step at a time, lads. Uh. Difficult stuff, yeah, yeah. Well, my favourite game of the weekend took place in the Bundesliga. I don't know if you saw this one. Borussia Dortmund leading 2-0, going into the 89th minute against Werder Bremen. Uh, Bremen turned it around, won 3-2 in the, the last few minutes. Uh, it was the first time in Bundesliga history a team has scored three goals after the 89th minute. Was it really? Uh, oh. It certainly was, yeah. The, the scoring was kicked off by uh, Lee Buchanan, who was born in Mansfield. Uh, came through uh, came through Derby's youth system, and I was delighted, especially after saying on the podcast last week that I uh, I hope he he, he really makes a, a success of himself at Werder Bremen and becomes a household name. That my boy Oliver Burke scored the ninety <laughs> fifth minute winning goal. So yeah, Germans are really going to get to to uh, learn how to say his name in that time. But yeah, it was a, a very action-packed weekend. Before we get stuck into a little bit more, a reminder that if you want to get in touch with the podcast, uh, you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com. That applies to all of our podcasts, all of our shows. Uh, you can also tweet me at Fussball Dan. Uh, Matt is on holiday at the moment, so uh, leave him alone. Let him let him rest. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's had enough of your nonsense. But uh, <laughs> I mean, we didn't get any questions this week at all, which makes us very sad. So uh, please do get them in before the next episode. Uh, let's uh, let's go to the Premier League then, and we'll start with that. Uh, absorbing, pulsating, whatever you want to call it, contest at St. James's Park on Sunday where Newcastle held Manchester City to a 3-3 draw. Alan Sack-Maximan was particularly impressive here, unplayable, you might say. Was it? Was this um, a bit of a surprise performance for you from him, Alex? Do, do you kind of wonder why he isn't like that all the time? Yeah, he's sort of like this one every 10 games, isn't he? I think, I mean, it must be incredibly frustrating if you're a Newcastle fan watching him play like he did yesterday. I think... Probably the best individual performance I've seen this season, certainly in the Premier League. Mm. He's just, yeah, he's just such a brilliant player to watch. And I think the main difference yesterday was his decision making. Like, we know he's quick, we know he can beat players going both ways, but the way he just sort of kept his head up in possession yesterday was, yeah, a marked difference from earlier in his Newcastle career, I think. You can you can see that a bit of Eddie Howe coaching has really made a difference to to how he plays in the final third. I, I was writing writing a few things down earlier and I noticed that he had 24 successful ball carries yesterday, which for comparison is sort of what Eden Hazard was averaging during his, mm. the last season he was at Chelsea. So that's pretty world-class levels, I think. And if, yeah, the, the difference with Sir Max is he's just needs the consistency but yeah if he can keep playing like that and keep getting a run in the side yeah it's going to be a be a very good season for him because he was he was exceptional yesterday yeah you could you could maybe still make a point about his end product lacking a little bit yeah I mean, possibly he, he didn't get on the score sheet yesterday but he did uh he was very very influential I, w- I was watching the game as a city fan kind of thinking does city need to get a grip of this guy is there anything they can do to stop him chloe do you think it was anything like that that city could have done or was it was it bad defending on city's point or was it just he was just a, a man in in the right mood yeah i think so i think um you know when a, a team like newcastle the way that they play when they when they get the wind in their sails it's it's really hard to stop them and i think perhaps city were a little bit surprised that you know sometimes when you're in uh, you know in control most of the time when another team comes at you like that it's a bit kind of like oof you mm. know it was almost like it was a little bit of a shock 
Um, and it's early days in the season and everything like that. So yeah, I think I think it was just one of those where you wouldn't necessarily point at mistakes, just brilliant play um, mm. on on the sort of flip side of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I was going into this game as a City fan, feeling a little bit nervous, thinking it was going to be a tough game. <laughs> and then the first sort of five or so minutes, five or 10 minutes, City were just in complete control, got the first goal. I thought, oh, it's going to be quite an easy day. This actually, we're going to, going to have a nice afternoon, nice, you know, string a load of passes together, a bit like West Ham a few weeks ago and, and have, have a, a nice three points. And then Newcastle really came into the game. And I think, you know, the, the stadium they have, the fans roaring them on, they've, they've got a good team, good players now. Eddie Howe kind of knows what he's doing. It's looking pretty good for Newcastle, isn't it, Alex? What, what do you think they can achieve this season? Um, I I think top four is probably slightly beyond them this yeah. season, but I mean, you just sort of have to look at their recruitment. That's been really, really impressive. I, I read a thing with Eddie Howe in the week saying that they've got a no dickheads rule, which I think, you know, it'd be quite <laughs> easy. Yeah, it'd be quite easy to just like throw the money around. You know, they literally have got bottomless wealth. They could go and really buy whoever they want, but they're being a bit more sensible with their recruitment that, and I just, yeah, I think they've got a good coach. The, the atmosphere is obviously much better at the club now. We've obviously seen Chelsea dropping points. If, I'm not sure whether Arsenal or Tottenham can stay as consistent as they are at the start of the season. So I don't see why they can't finish top six and who knows, maybe get a late push for top four. But yeah, I could 100% see them finishing the top six this season. They look quality throughout the pitch. You know, Nick Pope's been a great goalkeeper. Sven, Sven Botman, their whole defence has looked impressive. I mean, apart from that first goal yesterday, they haven't really made too many mistakes in defence this season so far. Callum Wilson's getting goals. If Sam Maximum can stay, can stay can stay like he did yesterday, then they've got a world-class attacker there. So, yeah, the very, very positive signs for Newcastle. Mm, very positive. Yeah. There was also a little bit of a subplot of this game yesterday. I don't know if you saw the video of Jack Grealish at the end of the yes, season when he was, yeah. he was uh, celebrating City's title and he he was uh, a little bit drunk, let's say, and was was saying that Mahrez uh, played like Almiron on the last game of the season. And I think... Uh, I don't think the Geordies took too kindly to that, is, is fair enough. And uh, yeah, it was pro- perhaps fitting that Almiron got on the score sheet and had a pretty good game. Another one who's, uh, you know, his end product lets him down quite a lot, but um, you have to say it was, uh, he took his goal pretty well, oh. I say, with his, with his thigh. Yeah. And yeah, Nick Pope, I thought he was outstanding uh, all afternoon. Really, really good game. Is he, you know, possibly the best signing they might have made so far, Chloe? Like, you know, I, I think, I didn't really think that goalkeeper was a, was much of an issue for them last season, but you look at the the quality that he brings and you think that's uh, something that they, they really needed to get right. Yeah, I think so. And I think Alex sort of alluded to it um, before is is that they've not just splashed the money on, on mm. loads of random players and then Howe's got to somehow like make them into a squad. Obviously, your, your goalkeeper is an essential you know, cornerstone of the of the side to build from. And um I actually have an interesting story about Eddie Howe. Um oh. he yeah, when he was back at uh, Bournemouth in the early days, um Maurizio Sari um was at Empoli and nobody at this point had heard heard of him. He he's not an ex player. He'd come through the lower leagues of Tuscany. Uh it was before obviously he went to Napoli and Chelsea. And and that's where at Empoli where he built this reputation of um, working with drones, really precise play and um, bringing in young players um, and exciting attacking football. And Eddie Howe, right when he was back at Bournemouth, went to Empoli and watched Maurizio Sarri. And I thought, here's a guy who's thinking outside the box completely. Mm. Um, And I think that in a roundabout way fits in with the signings and picking the right signings like Nick Pope rather than just going out and buying 
whoever just because they've got the money. Yeah. Um, you know, a la Man United, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. They could they could have splurged on, you know, any kind of players over the last couple of years, couldn't they? The last, not a couple of years, you know, six months or whatever it's been since they got taken over. It feels like a couple of years now, mm. but uh, yeah, they've... <laughs> They are, they do seem to be targeting the right areas. And Eddie Howe, I was like, I wasn't too, um, sort of convinced by the, the appointment of him at the time. It did feel like, you know, again, they were, they were being linked with all kinds of managers, weren't they? Mourinho, Pochettino, stuff like that. They went for Eddie Howe, who I thought had done a decent job at Bournemouth, but, you know, left after getting them relegated. I wasn't sure if he was the man to, to really take them forward. And I do wonder if at some point Newcastle's ambitions will outgrow Eddie Howe, but so mm. far he's done a, fantastic job you have to say he's really yeah. got the the whole the whole city on his side hasn't he and they're playing some nice football and, and pointing in the right direction so uh yeah fair play to eddie howe um great goal from from kieran trippier for newcastle's uh third one the free kick i knew he was gonna fucking score that as soon as he lined up <laughs> you could tell couldn't you you yeah. just wanted him where you could tell yeah. soon as soon as stones made the foul i was like well this is a goal like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but should he have been sent off alex um for me that's an orange card. That's your classic <laughs> orange card, that is. But I have sort of been amazed by a bit of the reaction. I saw Keith Hackett, the former referee, say today that that was a VAR masterclass, which I was very surprised by. I think if it if the rules are it's either a yellow or a red card, there is no orange card. For me, that is a red card. I think he's gone off the ground. He's tackled De Bruyne knee high without any intention of winning the ball. Really, I, I mean, I think. Trippier admitted after the game that he just had to take him down so yeah in an ideal world for me that's orange but I think as it is it should have been a red card I, I don't really understand um, Keith Hackett's interpretation of that to be, to be fair <laughs> I don't understand that. Keith Hackett's interpretation what about you Chloe what do you reckon um, I think like Alex it's probably orange but for VAR it's got to be clear and obvious right so if it was if it was a re- if he's given a red and then to change it to a yellow, it's got to be really obvious that it wasn't a red. And I don't think it, there was enough in it to be able to change the decision personally. Um, I've, I've seen them both, uh, tackles like that, I've seen them given both ways, red or yellow. Mm. Um, I, sh- I just think it's one of them where it probably just, this probably just should have gone with what the referee thought initially and, and carried on. Yeah, it's a funny one because I think if it connected with the knee, it's like a definite red card, no yeah. doubt about it. You know what does the fact that he didn't touch him mean that it's not dangerous play? I think it's still classed yeah, as dangerous play. Yeah, personally. I still think it is. Yeah. But like, yeah. I think it's one of those where like you can kind of make a good argument for both from being sent off and not being sent off. So I was kind of okay with it being overturned. I think if he had been sent off and City had gone on to win the game, there'd be a lot more controversy about that. Yeah, than the yeah. fact that he was allowed to stay on. I think it was a bit of a robust tackle, but yeah. I think a yellow card was just about right, for, for, to be honest. So Quite good as a neutral as well, because it was such a good game. Mm. You didn't want to see someone go down to 10. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It, yeah. It, it, it let the play continue as it was, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I was I was totally cool with it. <laughs> and totally cool with the draw as well. Like, I, you know, I think City could have gone on to win the game, and I would have been happy if they had done, but I think Newcastle deserved a point. So, yeah, just uh, an enjoyable game of football. Uh, we'll have a, a quick word about Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I mean, that... that Pass for the for the third city goal was just unreal, wasn't it? Yeah, ridiculous. Sort of run, yeah. run out of things to say about how good he is. <laughs> yeah. <now> is. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's probably my favourite player in the Premier League. He's he's the one I would pay to watch over any other. He's just yeah, he's ridiculous. Just gets better and better, doesn't he? Yeah, and he looks like he's got the sort of bit between his teeth. This season yeah, as well, yeah. He's really determined after after a bit of a 
sort of stop start season for him last year with injuries and stuff. He looks like he's he's ready to go now. I was having a chat with some city mates about him last week and saying I think we've got to admit that he's City's best ever player at this point. Mm, I don't yeah. I think I think he's sort of a better player than David Silva was, a better yeah. player than Yaya Torre was, more complete player than Sergio Aguero. So And probably been no better for longer than anyone else, hasn't he? He's yeah. been so consistent for well since he's arrived really. I think yeah. he's so good. So so good. Yeah. And what do you make of Erling Haaland's start to life at City Chloe? I mean he's uh it, it looks to me like it hasn't quite clicked yet. Like they haven't really sort of got the, the understanding that will come over time. You know, you can see him making runs and he's not getting passed to sometimes. Uh, you can see him being passed to and not quite getting the ball under control and stuff like that. Having said all that, he's got three goals in three games. It's not been too bad, has it really? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think when it does click, I think it's a bit of a scary prospect. Mm. Um, but City aren't really used to playing with a uh, an out-and-out sort of number nine like that, are they really? And I think that's going to take time to sort of, to gel and to, to get it exactly right. But I mean, he can just, he just finds the back of the net from, from wherever. And somebody said to me at the weekend, you, you know, we did that interview with Alan Shearer and you can tell why Alan Shearer likes him because <laughs> yeah. he, he is just a pure goal scorer, isn't he? And um, yeah, he... Th- that can can only go one way for me. That it can only just get better and better and better as they figure out how to make the most of him. Yeah, people, defenders just bouncing off him as well, like that one when he got put through on goal. It's uh, I know yeah. it, just, it just made them look like like that. That was not a gap, but he just ran through it anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, let's see how that one develops. Uh, earlier on Sunday, we uh, we had a, another very interesting game in the Premier League with Chelsea losing 3-0 away at Leeds. Very good performance from Leeds this, was it not, Alex? Have you been a bit surprised about uh, their good start to the season, maybe? I mean, I think I, don't, I think the jury's still kind of out on Jesse Marsh, but he's doing pretty yeah, well so far. I, I have been, I have been surprised, actually. Obviously, losing Rafinha and Phillips was, yeah, huge for them. But, yeah, their recruitment over the summer... I mean, so far has looked really smart. I, I, I think Marsh's fingerprints were probably all over that win yesterday. They they looked like a Red Bull team. Do you know what I mean? They were sort of <laughs> really high energy, pressing off the ball, but done in like a smart, sort of joined up way. But I, I do think they needed a win like this uh, since they came back to the Premier League. I think it's only Tottenham that they've beaten. They're the only top six side that they've beaten, sorry. Um, and that was in the pandemic and Ryan Mason was, was Tottenham's manager at the time. Mm. So it's probably not an exaggeration to say Leeds have been waiting for about 20 years for a win like that, really. <laughs> so, yeah, this is probably the um, the springboard that they need, really. And, yeah, I thought Aronson and Adams yesterday looked really, really good. They just, they rattled Chelsea, really, didn't they? And I think, mm. you know, the crowd helped with that. Um, Rodrigo looked really good up front. Yeah, they they looked like a team, like a really complete team. And that's, um, yeah, that's not something we could about Leeds for a long time yeah Thomas Tuckle was saying afterwards that he thought Chelsea were the better team and uh, I'm not, I'm not sure that. not sure nah. where he's got that no. from it? <laughs> no. I, mean, I, I think like Sterling scored a nice goal that was offside didn't he at nil nil and, uh. and it's probably a, a totally different ball game if that goes in but um yeah, I didn't really see much from Chelsea yesterday I, I didn't really I, I thought they were pretty good against um against Tottenham last week but they, they look like very incomplete like they've not really worked out what they're doing yet would you agree with that Chloe yeah, I think so. I think um, in the game against Tottenham, I saw some quite good link up between Koulibaly and Jorginho because obviously they're ex-teammates and I thought that was something that they can build from. And I always think Jorginho is like quite underrated in the Premier League. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, they've. it's weird that to have such a blip of a result when they, they actually 
looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, there's some there's something not quite right. There's something missing, and um, Tuchel just seems like in his comments he seems really up and down. Like sometimes <laughs> he's like really positive, and sometimes it's like the end of the world. And <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like it is it a bit is it reflective of him? Is he up and down and then the results are up and down? I don't know. But um, yeah, there's something just not, not there's a missing piece. And yeah, I guess it may be the centre forward, but. Yeah. I, I think that's something to look out for actually. Cause I mean, we've seen it at Dortmund and we saw it at PSG. When things start going wrong for Tuchel teams, things really start going wrong and he <laughs> completely loses his head. And um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that is far off. I mean, if you want to challenge the league, you don't lose three 0 at Leeds. I'm afraid that's just yeah. teams just can't do that. So yeah, something to look out for. I think with Chelsea, they, yeah, they do, something does seem a bit wrong there. I think Antonio Conte's got inside his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. still, still rattled from last week. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can't let that. You can't let Conte get in your head. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way they lined up was was sort of weird to me. Or the way they lined up at the moment, Chelsea with, with Sterling and Havertz as the two forward players. Neither one really contributing enough for me like the sort of nah. two halves two halves of a centre forward mm. but they don't make a complete forward in the, in a weird kind of way is is a centre forward necessary for them do you think Alex I mean they've been linked with Aubameyang is he the kind of player who you know can play anywhere across the front three essentially so give them yeah. a few options but. yeah I, th- I think he'd be a start although I'm not entirely sure that he's the perfect striker for them. He's probably a bit more of a short-term solution than a than a long-term fix. I think. Mm. I, I guess he knows the league. He's yeah, he's a willing runner, isn't he? And he's a good finisher. But I guess his age is against him a bit. I, th- I don't know. I, th- I think more long-term. Maybe someone like Ivan Tony is a bit more of a mm. left-field choice. I think we've seen that he can score goals in the Premier League, and that's in. You know, no, no disrespect to Bournemouth, but he's scoring goals at Bournemouth. I think in a team that tries to have a bit more of the mean. ball. Sorry, yeah, sorry, at Brentford. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, with a team that probably has a bit more of the ball and is a bit more sort of on the front foot and progressive, he could score a lot of goals. So, yeah, Aubameyang would be a start, but yeah, I, I think that's a bit more of a short-term fix for them, to be honest. I'm not sure that he would solve their, all their problems. Yeah, it's such a weird kind of situation for him as well to have gone to Barcelona in January last year, having, you know, fallen out with Arsenal for good reason. Yeah. Uh, for the, you know, Arsenal getting rid of him and now to be back in the Premier League straight away. And I suppose he does have that relationship with Tuchel, doesn't he? Which yeah, maybe, that's maybe true for Dortmund, but... yeah. 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 yeah, you kind of feel that they need someone who is a consistent goal scorer, but that was Lukaku when he was <laughs> yeah. been consistent yeah. at Inter, yeah. and that and that didn't work. So it's like, well, what what is the answer really? It's hard. Yeah, what well, a quick word on Lukaku. How's he done since going back to Inter so far? I know it's only a couple of games into the season. Yeah, good. Um, he scored after one minute. 26 seconds of being mm. back there so yeah I think he's he's just going to be the same he's obviously a player that needs to be happy where he is and he needs to be appreciated and loved and he really is an inter um and I think he you know some of the smaller teams in Serie A they just can't cope with him um because they they don't know what to do with um the fact he's kind of got a lot of different attributes all at once um and yeah, I just think I just think he that's that's where he feels happy. That's where he's appreciated, and it, I I think he could have a new, another sort of twenty five plus goal season there. To be honest, yeah, and then maybe Chelsea will want him back next time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, if it's a, yeah. that's the what? problem, isn't it, with him that that he goes somewhere, he's really good, and then someone wants him, and then he he doesn't perform. Yeah, he should just go alone everywhere, everywhere he goes. <laughs> like maybe that's his, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, we, we sort of, a few people said at the start of the season that they wonder if uh, if Tuckle will still be there come the end of the season. I mean, the way things are going, it's uh, it's certainly adding fuel to that fire, isn't it? But uh, we'll see. Uh, elsewhere in the Premier League, Arsenal are top of the league, the only team with a 100% record after three matches. Um, it's the first time, in fact, that they've won the first three games of the season since the 2004-05 season, 18 years ago. <laughs> Is this the start of something special for Arsenal, Alex, or uh, another false dawn, do you think? Uh, I I don't want to be a party pooper, but <laughs> I, I would say let's hold off until they've played someone decent. Um I guess Palace, Palace, Palace are pretty good, but I, yeah, they didn't really turn up on that that Friday night, the first Friday night. I guess they, they beat Leicester, but we've seen Leicester struggled so far, so yeah. that was a pretty straightforward one. And then Bournemouth on Saturday were a very obliging team. I think from what I've seen so far, Bournemouth are probably going to be the easiest team to play for, a to, for to play for a top side this season. They just they were just all over the place really, and Arsenal just it looked so easy for Arsenal. It was a bit of a training game to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think if you look at Arsenal's fixtures, they got. Let me just look now. They got Fulham, Villa, Man United, Everton, and Brentford um, next before playing Spurs oh, on October dog, yeah. the 1st. So they probably got a bit of a chance to really get some momentum going before. Yeah, you'd probably argue that Spurs is the first like really good team they've got to play, and that's not till October. So, yeah, who knows how many points clear they'll be by, by that <laughs> point. But, um, yeah, I would, uh, I'd hold off on uh, proclaiming them champions just yet. Well, I for one welcome our new Arsenal fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, they look good. In, in a way, like, you know, I, I have no opinion on Arsenal either way, really. I don't like or dislike them. But it's kind of nice to see them competing again, you know. Like, yeah, they... Being, they being, I mean, being happy again. And... It was this time last year, wasn't it, when they'd lost three on the bounce and they were all a, they were a bit of a joke. So, that's, I mean, to look how far they've come in 12 months is pretty impressive, despite... Um, yeah. Arteta's antics in the change room, according to All or Nothing. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, they look good, and they've got a young, exciting side, haven't they? Obviously, Gabriel Jesus has looked like a really good sign-in. Zinchenko's looked—I think he's looked absolutely brilliant since coming in. So, yeah, they're doing things right for the first time in a long time. Yeah, it's been two decades, pretty much, of fans <laughs> yeah. just complaining about the same thing every year. Just kind of Groundhog Day. I mean, it might be Groundhog Day again, but uh, you know, let them let them dream while they while they can. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, Chloe, but I've got that William Saliba chant in my head and have had it in <laughs> since uh, since Saturday. Very very good one. That. Uh, how impressed have you been with him so far? Lovely goal yeah. in this game, obviously. Yeah, I think uh, you know to have to have a, a defender that's scoring goals such you know quite freely is such an advantage to have in your side and and he looks yeah really exciting but it, it's like like you say there's always like like a little asterisk with Arsenal it's like let's not get too carried away because <laughs> you know we they've they've proved in the last like you say 20 years that that consistency has been really difficult for them so yeah just just see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. The light at the end of the tunnel can often be the light of an oncoming train, can't it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Alex Zinchenko, Alex, I mean, I, I'm watching him now and thinking, why did we sell him? Why yeah. did City let him go? Yeah, we, you yeah. know, we, I think there's there's probably a few reasons. I think he probably wanted to play a bit more. I think the money on offer was good for him. But what a bloody good footballer he is and, and what a, a nice option it is for Arsenal to have a player who, I think he's probably ahead of Kieran Tierney in the picking, picking yeah. order now, but I think... 
that, that what he offers is the ability to play elsewhere and means that K- Kieran Tierney and him can play on the same pitch at the same time. Yeah, and I think if they wanted to go three at the back, Tierney often plays centre back for Scotland, doesn't he? Even um, when because mm. they've got Robinson's Robertson. So yeah, I, I love Zinchenko. I think he's probably one of my favourite players in the league. I really think he's got everything, and yeah, I think come the end of the season, he's going to proved to be probably one of the best pieces of business anywhere in the league, anywhere mm-hmm. in Europe, to be honest. I, I think he's exceptional. And for the price that Arsenal paid, yeah, I think that's that's going to be a bit of a bargain. He just he offers so much going forward. Defensively, he's excellent. The way that him and Xhaka are sort of switching positions at the moment is helping Xhaka out as well. Yeah, I just, I, I love him. I think he's a brilliant player. Yep, absolutely. Uh, what do we think of Bournemouth, what we've seen so far? I mean, I'm... <laughs> Aside from uh, Scott Parker's cardigans, uh, I'm, I'm not really, uh, not been very impressed. Yeah, cardigans no, good, then bad. Yeah. That'd be my <laughs> for me. Yeah. Remind me a bit of uh, Daniel Fox Norwich. It's like mm. they're trying almost like they're trying to play like pretty football, but it's not. It it it, it might have worked in the championship, but it's not going to transfer over somehow. Yeah, you need you need sort of. Uh, uh, an iron fist inside a a, a silk glove. Don't you, <laughs> yeah. you, you, need, you need a yeah. bit of something that's going to make your heart to beat, really, and to be two 0 down after eight minutes or whatever, having you know not been able to compete with City the week before. Not many teams can compete. I guess it's hard to judge them on these two results against two two good sides, and they beat Villa at home. So you know that's obviously a, a positive for them that they can they can grab onto going forward in, in games and say, look, well, the game that we uh, we probably would have been most likely to win, we did win, but. Yeah, they need uh, they need to find a way to stop being so flimsy. I think, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They they were just too easy to play against um, on Saturday. I just yeah. yeah, like you say, they were just like Chloe said, they were just trying to play a bit too much, and yeah, they just it didn't work at all. Yep. Uh, three teams who are experiencing uh, some woes in the Premier League so far this season. It is early doors, of course, but uh, not looking great for Leicester, Aston Villa or Everton at the moment. Let's start with with Leicester, Alex. I mean, they've made no new signings this summer. Um, They've got uh, Wesley Fofana potentially leaving. He was was left out of the game at the weekend against Southampton because his head wasn't sort of up to it or Uh. whatever you want to call it. It's... His mind wasn't on the game. Yeah, where, where do they go from here? Do you think you think Rogers can can turn the ship around? Um, I I like Rogers, and I think if anyone can, he can. But it does look like it's going to be a long season for them. I think, uh, and I know it is a bugbear of a lot of managers, but it does seem crazy to me that we continue to have a transfer window when there's a transfer window that's <laughs> open when there's three weeks uh, when we're three weeks into the season. I think that's clearly <laughs> causing like major issues for Leicester and. Well, they changed it, I mean, didn't they? And then changed it back. Yeah, I just other, yeah. Other, other leagues in Europe didn't like. Form, yeah, it obviously needs to suit, become like yeah, a so. yeah UEFA dictat to to mm. be to happen. But yeah, I do feel for Rogers. I think even if they do sell for Fana for say it's a world record fee for a defender, who are they then going to replace him with in the mm. part in the last last week of the window? It's it's a really difficult one, but. You could see from their performance on Saturday against Southampton, there was just no confidence. As soon as Southampton scored that first goal, it was it was pretty clear who was going to win that game. And yeah, they're just they're just shot. Really, they seem like they're really struggling. I, th- I did read today that Rogers is going to employ a set piece coach, which uh, might help them a little Only bit. A year cause... too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they've been terrible at defending set pieces for a long time. But. Um... Yeah, they just they do need a little bit of confidence there because yeah, they they look like they're really struggling. Yeah, I wouldn't go like quite have... as far as to 
I wouldn't go quite as far as to say that they'll get relegated, but I don't think it's no. going to be a... I think they're going to be sort of bottom half, though, aren't they? Yeah. Are going, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I tell a lie. They have signed Alex Smithy's uh, backup goalkeeper yeah, for yes. this season, so yeah. that's uh, really going to get the fans fans excited, isn't it, that one? Yeah. yeah. Don't you think that, uh, as well, like losing um, Schmeichel, when, when he's been such a, like, um, a talisman of the team, he's mm. been so closely associated with Leicester for so long that without him, like even in the dressing room, it just might feel a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I just, I feel like they're a bit like, I don't know, they're sort of just, floating in no man's land in this transfer window having left lost big name players that are so synonymous with the team and not brought anyone in it's a bit weird and and piling on the problems for them they're playing Stockport County tomorrow night so. <laughs> <laughs> could, could that be could that yeah, be the day that from bad to worse. To boot? <laughs> you're, you're going to that game aren't you Chloe uh yes I believe so yeah got her ticket excellent yeah. stuff Lovely. <laughs> well, we're going to talk more about Stockport in a bit, so uh, hold that thought. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't go away. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, we're going to talk about Aston Villa, uh, who were also beaten at the weekend. They've lost uh, Diego Carlos to a, a, an injury, a big blow for them. But uh, you think Steven Gerrard's earning his crust at the moment, Alex? I mean, we talked last season about this season being kind of crucial for him, that a lot more is going to be expected of them. Uh, it's not looking great so far, is it? No, no, it's not. They looked... They look bad at the end of last season, but obviously spent a lot of money and their expectations are pretty high. But I, yeah, I don't think Gerard's going to be able to hide behind his playing reputation for too much longer, to be honest. I thought, I know there are a few contentious decisions in this game, especially the, um, the handball for the penalty, for the Palace penalty. Mm-hmm. But I thought generally their performance was pretty abject. I thought Eberechi Eze was away just tore them apart he was gliding through that midfield without any problems whatsoever Zaha was he did play well but the Villa defence was yeah was nowhere to be seen really so yeah they obviously they've got Villa have got aspirations to be way above Palace in the table but they were so far behind them on Saturday I thought it's um yeah a bit of a worrying time for Gerard because he doesn't really seem to have many answers at the moment I guess they might try and throw a bit of money at the problem between now and the, the window closing next week. But on the pitch, they just they don't seem to have yeah many answers. That Gerard's substitutions didn't really change change anything. They're trying to be a bit more progressive in possession, but yeah, they're struggling. I think the Mings saga is that was a very strange one, and I I don't think that's helped Gerard's cause either. I think a lot of the fans are probably backing Mings a little bit more than they are their manager at the moment. So. Yeah, it looks like a bit of a tough one for Villa. I, I can't really see Gerard lasting too much longer there if it, if it goes this, the way it's been going. I was thinking about this actually with the, the captain situation, as you mentioned there. Like at City, they the players pick their captain, like they vote yeah. on it and everybody chooses it, and it's kind of democratic like that. Is that not the way that every club should do it? They should do, and it, and in theory, it, sh- it shouldn't matter who the captain is, but Gerard has made it a problem. It was yeah. such a weird way of doing it doing it publicly as well. Yeah, I just, I don't know, he, re- he sort of created his own problem there and I think it's going to come back to buy him, personally. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think as well with um, losing Michael Beale to QPR? Because I know when he was at Rangers, yeah, he almost yeah. sort of admitted that it was Beale, his assistant, that was kind of, he was saying like, he's got a lot more experience than me, I, I learn a lot from him and he, he really admitted the influence that he had um, and yeah. now he's gone off to QPR. So is that... You know, are the two things connected? He's struggling and Beale has left 
Um, yeah, you know, it does seem that way, didn't was it? Was he really reliant on him? Yeah. Yeah, they brought they brought that Critchley in, didn't they, from Blackpool? But that obviously hasn't um, that's hasn't papered over any of the cracks at the moment. So, mm. yeah, that's a good point about Beale. Yeah, they, they're doing quite well as well at the moment. Michael Beale, the brains behind the operation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> Some talk today, Chloe, that um, Villa have, have pulled out of the signing of Ismail Assar from Watford as well. Can you understand what's happened there? Do you think that, I thought that would have been a really good signing for them? But Gerald's had second thoughts by all accounts. Right. Well, that doesn't sound like they've got a very good plan, does it? You know, <laughs> not really, tra- no. Transfers are supposed to be planned, aren't they? You're not supposed to just go, actually, oh, no. Um, you're supposed to have a strategy and, and all that. That that sounds like you're, you're a bit sort of second-guessing yourself, maybe a bit low on confidence, a bit, you know, changing your mind about things. It, it, that That is not a positive sign for me. Mm. Um, whether it you know we're not privy to maybe he's found something out about the player maybe he's you know m- maybe he's seen something that he thinks oh actually that wouldn't work but it just doesn't seem uh, like smart and sensible forward planning yeah I agree they should have known before the end of last season who they were going to target really shouldn't they of shouldn't course, still be yeah. sort of coming up with new transfer targets in August it should be uh, all all set in stone by now uh, another another club uh, experiencing a bit of trouble at the moment. Um, well, sort of a hangover from last season as well is Everton. Uh, how much pressure do you think Lampard's under at the moment, Alex? Is he actually under much pressure, or do you think he'll get a lot of time there to turn things around, having kept them up last season? Uh, I think he's yeah similar to Gerard. Really, I think he's under a lot of pressure. That is twenty points from twenty games that Lampard's been in charge for now. So, mm. I mean, that isn't good enough, really, for the money that they've been spending. Obviously, they bought Anana for what was that thirty-five million. Um, bought Tarkovsky. I know they've been linked to quite a few more players in this last week. So, yeah, he's uh, Lampard's been there for uh, what just over six months now, and. Yeah. I mean, when you watch Everton, I don't think. Do you know what type of football Everton want to play? Because <laughs> I don't. It's sort of. A, it's like half. It's like half of nothing, isn't it? They just. I don't yeah. know. They just. They turn up. They run around and then they draw or lose. I think. <laughs> I don't know. They look. They look pretty poor at the back to me. Anana is obviously going to need time to develop in the field, but yeah, they don't. They lack a proper goal scorer as well in Calvert Lewin's absence. Um, yeah, they were thoroughly outplayed by Forrest from from what I saw on Saturday. Um, and it was just a bit of quick thinking from Pickford, really, that set up the goal late on that, that saved them. So, great yeah, pass they and don't... great control and finish. To be it was, fair, it was a great, it was, a, it was probably my favourite goal of the weekend, actually. It was, <laughs> it was lovely. But apart from that, Everton, Everton didn't really offer anything. And I think, you know, the, the natives get a bit restless there, don't they? So, I, yeah, I don't know if Lampard's going to be given too much time, especially, especially if they keep um, keep spending money. Yeah, I mean, having to start Salomon Rondon in games is not ideal, <laughs> yeah. is it? Really, at this point in his career, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't talk like a he doesn't talk like a football manager to me, Lampard. He doesn't talk with like he doesn't talk with insight or. You know, it might sound a bit harsh to say intelligence, but what I'm saying is football intelligence. He doesn't, mm. like you say, like Alex said about not really having a clear playing style. He doesn't, he doesn't explain things as you would expect. It, it's almost like he has quite a naive view of the game, and and that's what it looks like on the pitch to me as well. Um, I just, I'm not. I think a bit like Gerard, maybe not, maybe more so than Gerard, but he's kind of re- relying on his. Um, reputation as a player yeah um and yeah um yeah. obviously everton have got more deeper problems haven't they but uh yeah i think he needs to go 
Yeah, I mean, you often see that uh, it's not always the best players that make the best managers and, and vice versa, isn't it? And mm. I think they're, they're sort yeah. of uh, for, um, uh, perpetuating that, that the Gerard and Lampard at the moment, but it's early days yet. They might turn it all around. Um, Fulham have made a, a good start to the season, um, having uh, having won at Brentford, a really interesting game on Saturday. Have you seen enough from them, Alex, to, to suggest that maybe they've got a good chance of staying up this year and, and maybe Marco Silva has finally worked out the Premier League after, what is it, three yeah. attempts? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's chalk and cheese, really, isn't it, from, from the mm. side that came up with Scott Parker a few years ago. Um I thought they could have won a lot more by a lot more on Saturday. Actually, I think Fulham sides of old probably would have crumbled after letting a two-goal lead. But mm. obviously, Mitrovic is a proper goal scorer, isn't he? I think he is what a lot of clubs at that sort of level, you know, down down the bottom of the table, he is what they don't have, which is a proper goal scorer, and that's and certainly, you know, there was worries about whether the Premier League was a bit too much for him after last time. But yeah, he's continued with that confidence from last season and yeah he looks he looks great and a lot of their signings have been very good um Palina from Sporting has yeah has fitted right in straight away so yeah the weekend, wasn't yeah it? yeah I think from what I've seen they yeah there's definitely going to be three worse teams than then and, and they'll stay up yeah they've been really impressive yeah Andres Pereira looks like a good one. Yeah, actually. yeah, I think maybe he's probably you know running. I mean, when was the last time we had a proper run of first team football? He, I mean, he certainly didn't get it at Man United. Mm. Um, so he might just be one of those players that you know needs needs a run in the side. And yeah, he's, he looks like he's thinking well with Mitrovic actually. So yeah, like I say, I, I definitely think there's going to be three worst teams in there, and, and they'll be fine. Yeah, they've finally broken the cycle, it looks like. Uh, <laughs> as we say, early days yet. Yeah. Early days yet. Uh, let's have a little bit of uh, of transfer chat now because uh, Casemiro isn't officially a Manchester United player yet, but he has has said goodbye to Real Madrid today. So um, it's uh, it's all but done, that one. How do you how do you fancy him to do at, at United, Chloe? Do you think he's the answer to their prayers? Um, well, I was actually listening to Peter Schmeichel talking about this at, on Football Focus on Saturday. And he sort of summed it up nicely for me that Casemiro says he wants to leave Real Madrid five minutes later all United want to sign him again talking about strategy long-term planning there's that's just oh he's available we'll mm. have him sort of thing and when Ten Hag wants to play this um allegedly wants to play like a high pressing style and, and all that kind of thing um I'm not sure that a player sitting in front of the defense is is really what he needs um you know, I mean, obviously he's a really high quality player, but that doesn't always, you know, that doesn't always work. And yes, maybe the defence is leaking, maybe they could do with a bit of protection, but ultimately that's not the way that Ten Hag wants to play. So I'm I'm just not sure. Like with everything <laughs> with them at the moment, I'm just not sure that it's going to work. <laughs> Yeah, you, you can see the logic behind it, can't you? He's definitely a good player. He's de- it's a yeah. it's a position they've been crying out for for a while. It's a lot of money, and he's the wrong side of thirty. Like those are problems. Obviously, I, c- I can see it kind of working, but not working amazingly well. He's obviously world class, obviously. But when when do Real Madrid ever let a world class player leave? <laughs> they don't, do they? They've seen that Casemiro is thirty, or the wrong the wrong side of thirty. He's slowing down a bit, and they've just decided that they can cash in. And that and good for them. But secondly, when was the last time Man United ever signed a player and he improved? I, I was doing a bit of a I was doing a bit of a thought exercise earlier, and I honestly can't think of one in the post Ferguson era. I really can't. You could maybe argue Luke Shaw, 
Yeah, but I think I was thinking, but, but that was only for a bit, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I think that might be the only one. So, yeah, he's world class, but I think you can you could sign whoever, Lionel Messi, whoever, Neymar, anyone you want to put, and put in that Manchester United team. I just think the structure around the club means that no one can do well. I, I really do think that. Yeah. So, All bless him. Yeah, I I'm I really hope he enjoys his four hundred grand a week, but I don't think he's I'm gonna, sure he bloody will, yeah. I don't, I don't think he's gonna help them win the Premier League, that's for sure. You could buy a lot in Manchester for four hundred grand a week. <laughs> yeah. <that> <laughs> yeah, I mean there's talk as well that he'll um, he obviously plays in midfield for Brazil with Fred, so that's a, a nice little connection that he'll have at United, but I don't think United fans really want to see Fred playing too much, do they really? And I I don't think Ten Hag wants to play with two holding midfielders permanently. I don't think that's and, and also, Brazil have got Thiago Silva and Edison or Alisson yeah. behind them. You know, it's, these things are all, you know, all relative, aren't they? Like, yeah, I just, I, I really can't see it working, unfortunately. Yeah. I think it, I could see it being a bit like, um, like you know, Varane joining United last season. Yeah. Seemed like a really, really good signing. But then you take a player like that out of a well-oiled machine that Real Madrid are and mm. put them into a... A poorly oiled machine. That's not a thing. Say, <laughs> yeah. but, but let's, let's just say it is for, for this this example, and it doesn't quite work. It's a bit of a you know, it, it doesn't function as well. I could see, yeah. see it being that, that the case with Casemiro. Do you think Real Madrid need to replace Casemiro, Chloe? I mean, they've they've started the season pretty well. They've got uh, your man uh, Chuamani came in for big money this summer. Do you think he'll be uh, he'll be the man to replace him now? Yeah, possibly, possibly so. And I think Ancelotti kind of. He just makes it work, doesn't he? He just he just mm. makes it work with what he's got, and I think his his sort of philosophy is very much on the on the forward players and the just letting them go and letting them be free. So as long as he's got somebody to to give the defense a bit of protection, I think I think I just think they'll be fine. And like you say, um, like Alex said, they don't let players go if if they're going to need them or they mm. think they think they're vital. So um yeah i think they'll i think they'll be fine you can't turn 70 million euros down for a 30 year old can you it's just no. uh, silly money really no. uh, florentino perez has done it again <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but perhaps the weirdest transfer rumor i've seen today or any day recently was uh apparently chelsea have made an inquiry for harry Maguire that's been turned down yeah yeah, yeah that was um that came out i think that came out yesterday but um yeah that's a strange one isn't it although I I do feel sorry for Maguire. I think he's he is a good player in the right system. He's like we were just saying about Man United. There, he he isn't helped by everything around the club and and the players around him. So I wonder if in a better team, maybe if he went to a Chelsea or or wherever, that we would see a vast improvement in his performances. But yeah, that is a bit of a strange one from Chelsea. Does Chelsea need another centre half? Not well, would cost a lot of money. No, I'm certainly not if they're going to get Fafana. Certainly not, no. Yeah, yeah. You wonder whether his confidence is like irreparably broken as well. From, yeah. From what's happened. Like a Phil um, Jones wonder, or someone like that. Yeah, like he's had a lot to face. And sometimes his interviews, like he's so uncomfortable when he's been really pressed about mistakes and stuff. I just think, you know, could could it have really damaged him that, um, that experience at United? Because... You have to be confident if you're a, a central de- central defender. So, yeah. 
United play Liverpool tonight, of course. There's some talk that Maguire will be dropped for that game and Ten Hag's also hinted that maybe the captaincy might be up for debate at some point as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, not looking too clever for him mm-hmm. there. Uh, interesting transfer uh, in the Premier League today, a transfer rumour, rather, is that Arsenal are interested in Pedro Neto. Uh, would that be a good signing for you, Chloe? I was a big fan of him a couple of years ago. He's uh, dropped off a little bit due to injury recently, but yeah, still probably he- young. Yeah, yeah, he's still 22, isn't he? I mean, it makes you wonder because he's one of the Portuguese contingent at Wolves. That's that's their identity, isn't it? And and will that work if you if you take him out? It, probably because he's young, it probably will. But yeah, it just it does seem a little bit of a random one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think that'd be a good signing. Mm. I think that'd be a good signing for them. I think. He's got Premier League quality, he's fast, he's direct, he likes to beat defenders. I think he would take a bit of the attacking load off Saka. Um, yeah, I think that would be a good signing. Although, I did read this morning that Wolves have been quite stubborn with the price, I think, and he signed a contract earlier in the season till 2026, maybe 2027. Mm. So they're obviously in a bit of a good negotiating position. I, I wouldn't break the bank for Neto, but if, if Arsenal could get him for a reasonable price, I think... Would you pay 50 million quid for him? No, probably not. And I think that's probably I what probably they want. Would. would you? Would you know, yeah. I yeah, that's... I think he's a good signing, and yeah, like I say, I think it, it, to help take the load off Saka, I think yeah, that would be. They probably do need someone like that in the, in the, in the squad. Yeah, perhaps you can explain to us, Chloe, what's going on with uh, with Memphis Depay and Juventus. It seems to be a bit <laughs> off and on that one. It does, doesn't it? It's a bit of a. It, sometimes it's happening, and sometimes it's not. I mean, it is a bit of a random. He, he doesn't, to me, seem like a Juve player. They. Um, they seem to go for very set targets, but they have got a new um, sporting director there who's kind of thinking outside the box a little bit, and that's maybe why um, that's maybe why they've gone for him. But I think I think it would be an interesting one. Um, at the moment, Allegri at Juve plays quite a sort of a negative brand of football. Um, so although they've they've kind of signed well, they've not really sold off a lot of the players he uses as a, a bit of a crutch that he goes back to a lot um, to sort of grind out his beloved two nils and then shut up shop <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean... At least it would be uh, something a bit different for them somehow, because um, a lot of the time they do they do sort of go for the Italian players, Argentinian players uh, like uh, Di Maria, and yeah, um, just it just seems a little bit out of the box that one. Mm. He's had a very strange career, Memphis Depay. He's sort of aside yeah. from Man United, he's kind of done well wherever he's gone, but like not really is very particularly highly regarded by anyone. It doesn't seem like. You know, Barcelona, he started off really well, didn't he? And then yeah. they made loads of signings midway through the season and suddenly he's surplus to requirements there. I'd like to yeah, see him go it, somewhere and pick up his career, really. It would be good for him to find a proper home, wouldn't it, where he, where yeah. he really felt valued and, and could really start show what he's made of. But um, whether that's Juve, I'm, I'm just not sure. Yeah. Is, uh, is Di Maria out for a while now, injured? Yeah, I think possibly about two weeks they said two mm. to three weeks but with Pogba already out Chiesa's out sort of they don't know when he's going to come back that's from way back from last season so uh, they have got a lot of injury struggles right now yeah and of course if people want to hear about more Serie A stuff they can listen to the uh, the Serie A podcast with with yourself and Padraig can they not uh, you they kicked can. that off last week you're doing another one this later this week yep that's right yeah we sh- uh, should be out every Friday so 
Yep, tune in for that. It's on the uh, the same feed as this one, the uh, the last episode. The first episode even was was very very good. Uh, let's finish with uh, a couple of uh, a couple of quick fire points. Uh, PSG and Bayern Munich both scored seven goals this weekend. I, th- I think we can pretty much uh, crown them champions of their respective leagues already. <laughs> um, with this uh, this kind of weird season, Alex, with the World Cup in the middle of it, and uh, you know players are going to be getting injured. There's going to be lots of Chopping and changing needed for everybody. Games coming thick and fast with, with PSG and Bayern both having relatively easy assignments in the league. Do you think they could be earmarked as the, the favourites for the Champions League? Yeah, I'd, I I have to say I've been very impressed with PSG so far. Uh, you know, the penalty drama aside last week. Um, yeah, I still winning they, even though they hate, yeah, they yeah. hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think they've sort of finally made a good decision in hiring Galtier. He's obviously been very impressive in the work he's done at Saint Etienne and a few other and Lee and Lille as well. A few and a few other clubs in France. I think he's an, he's an excellent manager. He doesn't seem like he's going to take any of their bullshit. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a great appointment. And yeah, you just need to look at the start that they've made to the season. <laughs> they've yeah. looked very impressive. They obviously battered Leo last night and, you know, Mbappe scoring after eight seconds. So yeah, they look good. Uh, obviously, they're going to be all in for the Champions League this year, like they always are. But I think f- for the first time, they might actually, uh, yeah, they might actually do it this season. Um, but Bayern, similar really, that, yeah, the Bundesliga is all but over really after a. Uh, they won that this weekend and Dortmund losing. So yeah, they they look really good. I like Delict. Obviously Mane's um Mane's hit the ground running there. So yeah, they they're definitely gonna be there or thereabouts. I do think it's you know, it's the the usual big hitters are gonna be in the quarterfinals and semifinals, aren't they? But um yeah. yeah, PSG for me, I think they they would be my tip. Interesting, very interesting. And uh, and over in Spain, Robert Lewandowski uh, scored two in Barcelona's 4-1 win over Real Sociedad on Sunday. How many do you reckon uh, he's going to score this season, Chloe? Is he going to hit the same numbers he was he was getting at Bayern Munich the last couple of years? Uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, he's, there's no evidence to the contrary, is there? <laughs> you know, he's, he's he, he just scores wherever he goes and he, he, it'll be another 30 plus, surely. Surely, yeah. even in domestic. Go on, let's put an exact, let's put an exact <laughs> number on <there. laughs> Um, 32. 32. Alex? Nice. Uh, I'm going to say 38. I think he's going to... Do you know, I, I think... Is that all comps? W- uh, yeah, all comps. Oh. Uh, mine was yeah. just the league, 32. Uh, let's, I do... let's, say just, let's say just the league. Then, okay, right? just the league, I'm going to say... He won't get 30, I don't think. But I, I think it will depend entirely on Ansu Fati. Because mm. I think if he stays fit, you just have to look at it last night. Ansu Fati came on and was absolutely sensational. Um, and just create, created way more space for Lewandowski than he was having for the rest of the game. So if he can stay fit, yeah, that could that could spell danger for, for a lot of teams in Serie A and Europe. But um, yeah, that, yeah, it's going to depend on Ansu Fati for me. Yeah. I'll go 25 goals for Lewandowski. Nice. That's a nice uh, conservative estimate, let's say. <laughs> uh, it's the moment everyone's been waiting for. We're going to talk about Stockport County, who uh, you're a big fan of, Chloe. They, uh, the, they're back in the Football League for the first time in how many years, is it? Uh, 11, I think it is. 11, 11 years, yeah. Right. You, no. before the season started, were tipping them for another promotion. <laughs> Are you, did you have to bring that up? I, I've even, I even said in the in the athletic, they asked me what I thought, and I was like, definitely promotion. <laughs> and then they've had this dreadful start to the season. Uh, and I look like one of those, you know, over-optimistic fans that just go, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. But um, I think, you know, for me, I 
I feel like we're a, a bit like a smaller scale Nottingham Forest in a way mm. that um, we've had amazing success. A manager who came in in November after a terrible start from his pre- predecessor. Um, and we had a really settled team. Obviously, you make new signings when you go up into the league. Um, and I think at the moment he's struggling to find his settled formation, what works best. And, um, you know, Hopefully that's going to start with a, a, a kickstart with a win against Leicester. On yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still hopeful. I still think we, we've got what it takes to get promoted. I still believe in Chaloner. I just think it's been a bit of a, a tougher start than a lot of people, including me, thought. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? One win and four defeats so far in the first yeah, five games? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not great, to be honest. But um, yeah. we've got a problem with sendings off as well. Too many sendings <laughs> off. But how has yeah. the uh, how has the atmosphere been at Edgeley Park? Oh, is, uh, just brilliant, just yeah. brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. Um, sold five thousand season tickets. To put that into context, the capacity of the ground is just over ten thousand. That was for the first time ever. Um, there's a, a a group that's almost performing a bit like an ultras group who's doing choreographies and things like that. Um, you know, the good times are back, no matter whether we've had a bad start or not. Yeah. Yeah, for listeners who might not know Dave Challoner, and you know, if if you don't know Dave Challoner, what the hell is wrong with him? Uh, <laughs> long throw-ins, things. Yeah, exactly. I remember him in his uh, his Chami Rovers days of being on uh, Granada TV doing his, uh, his his crazy long throw-ins with like a windmill, uh, sort of a windmill effect, didn't it? With it with his with his arms. Yeah, apparently uh, he's knackered his shoulders now. Yeah, what a shame. I know. Yeah, but I mean, it's quite it's quite in vogue for clubs to have a throw-in coach now. Is he? Stockport's manager and throwing coach. Do you know? Well, we don't. We tend to take really short throwings, so oh. I, I don't. I don't think he actually believes in them too too much. But you know, <laughs> that's it's odd to me. <laughs> Fair enough. Go on, Alex. Since I will let Chloe talk about Stockport, you can have your uh, your moment about Oxford. Thirty your seconds well. in Oxford. Uh, shite. <laughs> don't bother watching them. Absolutely awful. Um, I went to the Cambridge game, and that was one of the worst games of the season. And then I Isn't went. It's a boat race. Yeah, yeah, we won 1 0 um, with our only shot on goal right in the 94th minute. And then Morecambe on Saturday, we drew one each, and that was just as bad. So, yeah, unfortunately, it looks like it might be mid table in League One for us this season. Oh, dear. oh Oh, well uh, that's all we've got time for on this episode thanks to Alex and Chloe for joining and to everyone for listening Uh, Matt is on holiday at the moment I'm also on holiday later this week uh, but we've got the Serie A show coming up later this week and we'll have another podcast for you very soon and remember if you want to get in touch with any of our podcasts the email address is podcast at onefootball.com